0: All right. Hi, everybody. This is RCFB Talk 131. It's Tuesday night. We're always here to talk college football, and we'd love to hear from you. So just hit request from the Twitter app, and we'll get this going. My name's Bob Ekairi. I'm going to be joined by one of my regular co-hosts, Sirius. He's going to be joining in just a few moments. If there's anything you'd like to bring up in college football, go ahead. And hit request, and I can see Sirius is here, so I'm going to go ahead and add my co-host. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just fire off a quick tweet to let people know how they can join the conversation. And I can see Sirius uh, is going to come up in a moment. So, anywho, it's been another week of off-season antics news going on all over the country. And um, let's see here. Sirius, I think I got you up. Nope. Let me send you another invite. All right, there we go. But let's see here. Lots of things going on. Obviously, um, looking at the highlights of what's been talked about on CFP, Alabama's been having some side stories with, unfortunately, what's going on with a couple of their players, at least with Tony Mitchell um, being pulled over, driving 141 miles an hour before his reason to rest. And then, of course, the arrest was for possession of a lot of marijuana. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. The wheels of justice will turn on that one. But um, let's see here. As well as what's going on with all of the wonderful stories going on in the Pac-12 and their meteorites deal. But if there's a specific topic you'd like us to discuss, we would be more than happy to hear from you. All right. Well, as Sirius kind of works his way up here. Um, let's go ahead and see what's going on. You know, one of the other amusing stories that's been kind of crossing our radar here is what's going on at USC, because as you might know, Southern California and the whole state of California is getting absolutely deluged with rain right now. So there was a great tweet out there of the image of their field, and it is just completely soaked because of the sheer amount of water and just not being used to dealing with all of it. And apparently, they don't have an indoor facility. So, the problem is their pro days coming up. So, being able to run their 40s, they can't really do it outside in that little pool. So, frankly, (laughs) you know, it was fun to see some of the responses. Some of the Cal fan, um, 80s SFU, he was just like, you know, welcome to the Pac 12, baby. This is what it's all about. UCLA's practice field was 80 yards for years. And in fact, I think it still is 80 yards. Um, but I think it was recently updated to a full-on 100. Maybe it was, but a lot of people don't realize that. you know UCLA, for the longest time, their their campus is also packed. USC and UCLA have surprisingly jam-packed campuses for being in a city known for sprawl, but uh, USC doesn't really have a huge practice facility, and they don't really have much to go insofar as indoors. And UCLA, I mean, you, know, you may know, they obviously don't play near their campus, And on campus, right by Poly Pavilion is where they have football practices. And for the longest time, if you just go to Google Earth, if it's still the old image, you'll see there's an NER football field. I mean, you have to kind of eyeball it, to realize that it isn't quite – there's no 50-yard line. It goes up to like a 40 and then uh, evens it out. But, um, yeah, let's see here. (laughs) <laughs> oh, dear. Well, we'll see if, if, I know, it looks like Sirius is having some technical difficulties getting on. We'll try and get him on here in a moment. But if you'd like to join the conversation about any topic, please hit request. Love to hear from you. And, oh, there he is. Let's see if we can get him up here. And we'll go ahead and get that invite. Looks like Sirius is actually connecting. All right. So he'll just give us a holler when he's up here. So let's hear, you know, another thing that kind of came up in college football this week at least today was listening to deon sanders apparently he's offered a new take on why he left jackson state for colorado um he said resources weren't the only reason it was the ideology the thought process the forward thinking he said that in an interview with the pivot podcast it was meeting at the crossroads and what was involved with that certainly i think a lot of folks expected him to take a bigger job oh it looks like we have someone else who wants to come up here let's go ahead and send that invite to come up and speak so let's see here it looks like hey Stan Drew it looks like you're up here oh I can hear you. <laughs> hey uh, is it Stan Drew Wardam Eagle <laughs> okay looks like I can't he might not have realized he was up sometimes that happens and it looks like Sirius is trying to get up again but if you'd like to request and come on up here we'd love to hear from you um, you know, kind of going back to what I was just talking about, you know, with uh, Dion Sanders, giving a little more to why he left Jackson State, although frankly, it feels a bit more of, um, a bit more of just talk, talking about new ideology, new things like that. He's certainly, uh, uh, I think one of the top comments on our CFD from Art 8, you know, anyone who thought Dion wanted to coach at an HBCU for life is kidding themselves and then blame Dion when their own assumptions didn't pan out. I, I kind of get that. I, I I think a lot of folks didn't realize I didn't want to appreciate the fact that he did have eyes on trying to 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 achieve. Let's see here, I got someone else coming up here. Hey Woodmoss, uh Woodmoss Nine or Woodson Moss Nine, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to unmute.
1: Sanders. Off topic from Dion Sanders. Um but what are your thoughts about uh, Cam Newton coming to Auburn's Pro Day today? Good or bad thing for the program? Uh, maybe taking a little attention away from the guys that are actually trying to get drafted? Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts on that.
0: You know, I, that's a great question. And, you know, you, I think you hit both sides of it, um, both sides of that particular topic. Because, I mean, it's great to have him on campus because, I mean, he's still Cam Newton. I mean, a lot of folks are going to see that, especially recruits and and see a big name coming back to the program somebody who is a superstar and and that kind of, and it certainly helps you know where you've got a coaching transition to show that the, there's support coming from some of the biggest alumni but to a lesser extent yeah i could see some concern about taking attention but the the folks who are there for pro day to actually like test guys to see if they're ready to be in the league and where they should rank they're they're not going to be distracted by that they're going to be totally focused on what's going on, you know, from the, the, the student-athletes themselves, from, from the future draft prospects themselves. But it's an interesting one. What are your takes? What's your take on it?
1: Uh, I think overall, as an Auburn fan, um, getting Cam back involved is, is big for us, uh, especially with recruiting, just like you said. Um, and the last thing for me, but kind of a follow-up question, uh, this tends to be a hot take for a lot of people, but uh, Cam Newton's season, 2010, or Joe Burrow's 2019 season?
0: wow that's a. Good <laughs> those are both excellent seasons for guys who you know obviously just had you know you see what they were before and what they were during and then what they were after their their tenure there that's a tough one those are two of those great kind of players that you know looking back really were a huge reason why national championships happen for those programs for sure um I don't know. I don't want to say recent I, I'm afraid of letting recentism kinda of pop in there with Burrow. But certainly both of them, you see how they <laughs> did. I mean, maybe to a lesser extent, Burrow, because I I mean not lesser extent, but what I'd give Burrow a little bit of more of an edge, only because we watched how you know, how much of a dramatic, you know, drop off it was for Orgeron at LSU immediately afterwards. So I, I think we could we could say that, but at the same time, no, that's a tough one. They're both I can see why both of them would be would be possibilities looks like we're having a little funny connection issue with uh twitter spaces right now i could see we're getting uh stand back up and it's uh it's connecting for him but we'll see if that gets back up here and i know sirius my co-host <laughs> has been as we fighting his way to try and get up here and i keep seeing it trying to connect him but it isn't so we'll see well uh, i'll send him another invite and we'll we'll go there but if you'd like to join the conversation. Feel free to hit request. We'll let you up here if the, uh, if the Bird app will, will decide to, to allow it um, today. <laughs> you know, again, any topic is good. I mean, again, it was nice to hear a little bit about um, Auburn's Pro Day. Any other topic you'd like? You know, what are the other sort of going on conversations that's been going on with the Pac-12 and what's going to go on with their media rights? Are they going to stay together? Is the band going to break up? You know especially Utah's president has been really kind of aggressive with this in recent weeks because a lot of the um, a lot of the rumors have been that the four corners schools are being approached by the big twelve and Utah's president Taylor Randall has said there's a solidarity between the remaining members you know, honestly some people are not sure how far to how much credence to give that one um. You know, I was just reading, for example, that the, again, one of the more popular comments on our CFB was from a uh, Cincy fan, Bearcat Gary. You know, Utah will be the first team to leave, confirmed. I mean, a lot of this is, you know, and, and of course, everyone's expect. there's all these wild rumors going around that today's going to be the so called domino day or, or something that's going to cause the Pac 12 to break apart. We'll see. But I mean, it's certainly been one of those active side stories going on. I know, um, the commissioner kleavcof was supposed to yeah i mean some people were hoping he would make more comments during march madness but there hasn't been too much in the realm of of what's going on i mean john wilner actually updated today that the pac12 medians pardon me, the pac12 presidents haven't met or anything so um i guess f5 season lasts at least one more day as Fate black put it so We'll see where that goes as far as what's going on. Again, any topic, if you have one you'd like to to add to, we'd love to hear from you. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you one thing: a few things like the Twitter app hate serious as much. <laughs> it's like I should say, I hope you I hope you love someone as much as the as much as the Twitter app. It hates my co-host serious because even before you know, in the last year and a half, he has always the hardest times hooking up to this. So I keep seeing him trying to join, but. He will. guests have had no problem joining, but it's, it's, he's the one who's cursed in all of this. You know, again, kind of going back to this, sort of adding some more of these uh, stories that were kind of accumulating this week about what's going on with the Pac-12. I just wanted to add one more coming from the Monty Show. They said, sources at Utah tell Utah... Uh, to probably tell us that Utah has told the Big Twelve they don't believe they are a fit for the conference academically, and believe they would lose significant dollars on the education side if they join the conference. I mean, uh, that that one, you know, I think it was epitomized by again another Cincy fan, Tim Tom, um, eighty nine twenty one. He's like, "What are they saying? We're stupid?" <laughs> oh my goodness! It's uh, I you know. There are fine schools in both conferences, for sure. And, I mean, Pac-12, you know, yeah, it has Stanford and Cal, but UCLA and USC were also strong programs, and they're heading to the Big Ten, which has plenty of its own. I mean, hell, the ACC's got loads of conferences. The SEC's got, you know, Vandy. It's got Florida. It's got other great schools as well. So I don't know if any one school can get pointed out there for that kind of a thing. But, um yeah, some so even some Utah fans are calling that particular rumor being a bit of a of some nonsense. Prestigious Tract said, you know, just so that you all know, as a Utah fan, this guy's a complete hack. I'm not certain he's ever been correct in his career. He uh, he states his own his own opinion and, and kind of hopes that people will will jump on it. So that one I think is one that we can probably set aside. Um, Again, another interesting, co- again, one of the other comments that's been interesting, and this one was a rumor that came off of um, another one off of Twitter, but again, this one has more intrigue to it because it comes from a yeah, New York Post sports media columnist, but the New York Post has actually always been fairly good about media posts, about media information. They've got a couple of reporters there, regardless of what you think of that paper, that actually tend to know the media, sports media world pretty well. And one of the more interesting things coming out of it, is that if the Pac-12 were to eventually return to ESPN, it would mean that they were willing to take less money in exchange for exposure, and at this point, a deal with ESPN is not close. Oops, let me see there. Sorry. So again, one of the um, one of those interesting kind of aspects of that is you know. <laughs> Uh, The idea of a conference being paid in exposure, but I'm not quite sure what you could even do in the Pac-12 in this situation. They're struggling to get anyone interested. You know, is it going to be Amazon? Is it going to be Apple Plus? Who's going to pay for their media rights, especially when it seems like there's some uncertainty to the membership? Will Washington and Oregon leave? Will they get poached by the Big Ten? Will some of those other schools immediately leave for the Big 12? So I think it's becoming problematic to attract Uh, Television rights, certainly adding a San Diego State and an SMU would certainly do something towards adding eyeballs. I know they're thinking about also adding Colorado State, although they wouldn't really add a whole lot, although it would certainly give some fit for Utah and uh, Colorado. And then I know there's some rumors about who a fourth team would be if they were to add four. But certainly I think that's been one of those ongoing questions there. But the idea that the conference would need to reestablish itself and basically, take a hit, a financial hit, on less funding, or, or getting a discounted rate, or being paid a discounted rate by ESPN. I, I'm not sure if they would agree to that. That would be a real that would be a real moment of um, of awkwardness for them. Um, and it would it would I, I could see the benefit of maybe perhaps building an audience once more, but I, I can't see the Pac-12 is far too proud to probably go for that. And if they do. That would be a terrible sign for them, and, and it would be easy to see why some of their other um, members might bail at that point. So, again, if you'd like to join the conversation, please hit request. We'd love to hear from you as we're heading into 15 more minutes of our <laughs> uh, weekly half-hour off-season show. Um, you know, One of the other stories, that, so it was from The Athletic, but they were talking about the fact that Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino It'll be now the awkward opening of of Texas A and M's fascinating experiment. I think one of my favorite suggestions of so the fact that obviously Petrino's now over there it came from uh, Casa Air, a Georgia fan. I for one think it would be awesome if Jimbo rode a Harley out of the tunnel for one game with Bobby riding in the sidecar. Uh, I think that would be spectacular for those of you. I mean, gosh, you know, time passes. I, I assume everyone remembers the story. For those of you who somehow may not remember, Bobby Trino was back at Arkansas, good head coach, um, kind of problematic uh, off the field antics, and uh, he got fired after, of course, he was caught, I think, I don't know if they ever 100% said it, but he was caught with someone he was probably having an affair with uh, on a motorcycle, got in a car crash, <laughs> appeared at a presser right afterwards. Um, they were both on the motorcycle together, allegedly. Um, then he appears at that press conference with the neck brace and, and some blood on his face. So and that kind of led to his demise over there. So that 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 comes from that suggestion. That's where that suggestion was at. Looks like we have. Stangers wants to come back up here. So let's see if we can get that connection to work. Can you hear Not me? Not at all. Yeah, I can hear you now. I don't Absolutely. appear to be able to hear you. Oh, I can hear you. You can't hear me? Hold hold one second. <laughs> Uh, so many times our iPhones and things, or or whatever phone you're using, sometimes here. they uh, they have second. a habit of yeah, they kind of have a habit of of canceling each other out. Like one time we were experimenting in the early days with, with speakers we could use. I'm actually doing the show from Boston right now. Hey, but can I, you hear me now? You know, I can hear you absolutely. Can you hear me? Oh man, this poor guy. <laughs> we got. <laughs> We can hear him, but he can't hear us. That's so. That's great. Uh, the royal we apparently, um, but uh, we'll we'll figure something out. Um, I All right. So on I, there. I appear to be on. I, <clears throat> <laughs> I
1: appear. I appear to be something on of a uh, fifteen to twenty second uh, delay.
0: Okay, I went ahead and, and pulled him down. Oh, but I did see a question that he sent us Um, and the question, sorry, I'm going ahead and looking at it now. I just saw It's like I'm trying to speak. My phone doesn't appear to be working, but now we know he's on a serious delay for whatever reason. I'm sure it's not. I'm not saying it's his fault at all. We know how, uh, again, ask my co-host who couldn't join tonight. Um, But I wanted to ask you what you think would happen if the NFL changed its rule for draft eligibility to match the NBA's one-year rule. So that's an interesting question. So, And it's been debated before. I mean, what could the uh, college football... Is college football, you know, obviously need a few years out? You know, it's 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 not like the... I mean, for those of us old enough to remember, you know, we still remember when the, you could just go straight from high school into the NBA. But now, of course, you have to have that one year. Should the college football world switch that? Would the NFL want that? I... I don't think it would happen, and and for a couple of reasons. There's a few positions where you know probably they could come fairly close to being ready for the NFL after about a year, but a lot of those positions, particularly when we we appreciate the quality of the strength and conditioning program at so many of these programs, the level of a couple of years out is going to make a huge deal for the quality of some of these players and their draftability. So I, I am a little hesitant. To uh, to say they'll, I mean, for that reason, I mean, like we all know that college football is basically the free, um, (laughs) the free minor leagues and development league for college football for for the pros. At the very least, now that with NIL and things, they're getting a little more compensation for that work. And in case they do, um, don't quite make it over there, at least they're getting some compensation for all that time and effort they're putting in. But I'm not sure they'll do it just for that reason, just because the NFL is getting such a sweet deal from those two years out. And there is some decent argument, whereas coming out of high school, you could have a guy like a LeBron or a Kobe or some of those others back in the day before they got the one-year rule back in. Um, you know, it, It's harder to, to physically be at the point where you can just jump into the league like you can um, after a year of college. It might be a handful. It might be that one or two guys out of... So that's a good question. I mean, would you end up with a bunch of people who would then try to leap into the NFL after one year and just kind of not get picked and kind of screw up their chances or, or or do you have some sort of option where they can immediately jump back in as long as they don't get an agent or something? I know they've had that rule when they were trying to fix some of the previous issues, but that's a tough one. I'm not sure, you know, it's a great question, Joe. And and I'm glad we were able to get to that, even though I had to read it aloud. Um, And, and again, you know, thanks so much uh for asking that one um uh, standrew i uh, yeah. we we did get to it and oh and then the main thing sorry i just got another message from the main thing i'm interested in dealing with is the mercenary team what would you propose to deal with the new normal among blue blood teams that's a great question because you know among those and i see we have someone else who wants to come up and i'm going to go ahead and add you as a speaker you know that's going to be a tough one because I mean the transfer portal is is more and to and the transfer portal and NIL that kind of one two punch. You certainly had that. Um, uh, we certainly had that kind of effort to kind of get so many teams moving so fast to grab players, especially those that mastered it. USC being probably the number one on that, only because you you get a player who then comes to your program wins the Heisman, and then somehow in the first-year head coach nearly c- comes one loss away from becoming a, a playoff <laughs> a playoff sacrifice because they probably wouldn't have gotten far. But, you know, uh, that was probably the prime example of that. You know, I was reading an article by the Athletics' David Ubbin last week, and, and it kind of influenced me a little bit on this topic because he thought over time, somebody asked him where college football is going to be in like five, six, seven years. But the, th- the thing I, uh, I appreciated about what he was saying was, you know, he thought the transfer portal might settle down a bit because, especially as some of these NIL deals and the collectives get going, if you're a player who isn't necessarily a superstar, like just somebody who people are going to throw millions for, you might just be willing to stay at your program because you're getting what might be like, you know, several tens of thousands of dollars, a good amount of money for anybody. And you may not get that if you transfer to another program via the, the portal. But at the same time, yeah, the mercenary programs are the biggest question. What happens when you get a USC poaching the star wide receiver from Pitt, the the, you know, the quarterback from Oklahoma? You know, it it's it's going to be a tough one to say because you got this. You got two sides of it. You know, it, it sucks for fans, especially the fans of the teams that are being the, the the hunted, not the hunters, in in all of this. But at the same time, you know, a lot of over history, so many. Fans have been complaining about the players not getting justly compensated and things like that. So, is it is it a free market argument that the players get an opportunity? Do we limit the number of times they can transfer? Um, even if we did, I mean, sometimes one's enough, right? You know, and I, even before the transfer portal um, made it quite as or nil and, and made it lucrative, you had guys like Burrow move over a team, you know, and, and suddenly become a superstar. So. Excuse me, it's, uh, it's a t- it's, that is one of the great tough questions right now for college football is what, does the system need to be tweaked? Certainly some people think it does, but if you do, how do you do it and not run into some of the – because the problem is who would enforce it, and if it's enforced, would it get challenged in court? Almost certainly. And how would it stand up in court given how hostile um, recent judgments seem to have been towards the level of control – that, you know, you'd need something like the NCAA to step in. Um, I don't think anything the NCAA would ever try to do at this point seems like it would stand up in court if we are trying to control the movement of players, or at least in terms of um, uh, earning and monetizing themselves to some extent. Now, you know, what are, the, what are the other stories that's been going on in the past week or so? Uh, I said last week was that like Congress wants to, to, to have some t- uh, hearings on this, I believe on the 29th. Um, I'm joking that congressmen just want to have hearings on this stuff so they can get I don't know tickets to the final four or something, but you know we'll see how that goes. It'll just be probably a lot of grandstanding and bravado. But the idea of the federal government stepping in to try and regulate that is a little nerve wracking. I mean, the flip side of it, you have all the states they are now regulating themselves. It was really funny because California kicked all of this stuff off by by passing the first bill, and then all the other states followed. It now in the last month we've seen some of the states. Oddly enough, the most football crazed states, the ones in the South, that had created NIL laws for the state that were tighter than the others. And now, in the last couple of months, we've been watching them all kind of re loosen the rules to kind of match each other. So, is it a race towards a low in- lowest common denominator of regulation? I'm not sure. Um, but if anything, things are trending towards being more um, liberal towards the, uh, and I don't mean that in the political sense, but I mean more liberal towards. NIL and 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 things that might induce players because it might help their cons- not their constituents but yeah it might it might help their team you know we got someone else up here I wanted to get to you Nick what's going on you've been really patient hey yeah um can you hear me sure can okay great um okay so I'll
1: I'll I'll be quick um but basically this kind of ties into how how the discussion has progressed um. But I, I think I speak for a lot of people here, um, in this chat, or or just followers in general, that I they follow you because of the content and the humor associated with it. So I, I just want to say it's, I respect you for that, the sense of humor, or whoever runs the account. But anyways, um, sometimes we we, de- I think sometimes we also want um, some thought, personal thought on on, on each topic. I know it kind of seems like you might maintain neutra- neutrality or s- kind of stay in the middle or just demonstrate, you know, the topic. But, uh, I just wanted to know your personal thoughts on, on the transfer portal and, um, you know, if it, ha- how it takes away or how it adds to, uh, uh, just the college football game in general. Um, and, and I, and I sure. want to sure in, I, I want to also just, you can also, you know, make comparisons um, to, for example, the one and done rule in uh, in college basketball. I feel like that um, has kind of, you know, a, a lot of one and dones have has taken away from the basketball experience in general as a sport. Um, and you don't get as many Jaime is or et cetera, et cetera, Tyler Hansboroughs who stay. Um, so, you know, I feel like you can kind of uh, correlate that a little bit to the transfer portal because it's you're not building, you know, legends anymore. But I just want your personal thoughts. If you could go on that to that a little bit, but sorry.
0: Go ahead. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for that. Um, those kind uh, of comp- those kind compliments, you know, and, and frankly, um, uh, just to kind of go to the beginning of that only because I might as well touch on that before we talk about the interesting parts of the transfer portal. But yeah, th- um, as far as the content that we tweet out, we're, we're like a group, it's not any one person and being in the off season we're a little um it's kind of whoever has a tweet that they want to toss up at this point because um yeah i always joke especially anyone who follows college football especially if you have to do it intensely february and march you're just kind of like not quite march now you start getting interested again but late january february it's just like i i am kind of unplugging from college football let's just get ideas out there you know Before I even forget, you know, for example, like, I got a little excited today because (laughs) I don't know why they do it on a, I guess it's a Tuesday for them as well, but Britain, you know, Britain has college sports. They're not huge, but they've been growing and they're trying to emulate us. And they even have American football, which is actually hilarious, but their teams are great. Some of their teams are horrible names. Like one team is like the students, but, um, you know, the university of Western England, uh, they, they're bullets. Uh, they just won their second national championship today, so good, congrats on them. But going to all of that, saying that aside, the transfer portal, yeah, no, we have some, we have all kinds of opinions on that between us. But my personal opinion is, I'm, I'm, it's, it, there's pluses and minuses to it. Yeah, I, I am in favor of it overall because I think the negatives, and, and there's a lot to it. You know, somebody sent us a direct message talking about the the mercenary aspect of it. And certainly, as I was saying, you know, you can't uh, avoid mentioning USC with the way they poached a couple of major players and then went on a pretty decent tear for a first season, even with Lincoln Riley being a, a successful head coach before. That's still an amazing first season for them. So certainly the ability to poach players who might be doing really well at and NIL is what made the transfer portal totally different. I mean, the transfer portal originally was kind of a neat idea. Maybe a guy can move to a different team um without much of a penalty and then and then find some success particularly if they're buried in the batter and buried in the depth chart but adding the the nil inducement to it suddenly yeah it became way more mercenary it's like hey come to this pro like let's say you're some unsung hero at a mac school i'm not going to name anyone in particular but let's say you're some kid who just pairs at a mac school you're like the next ben roethlisberger when he was in college you know, i still remember when he was at miami of ohio um, or one of these kids who just suddenly everyone's like, whoa, there's like a superstar at this program. And he's, you know, he's not going into his senior year. Okay. Uh, that's going to be tough for those programs because they can't really compete if suddenly, you know, um, a major P5 with, a, with an opening in a key position like a quarterback it really needs, a, needs someone to come over. But even then, before that, I, people were taking serious advantage of the grad transfer rule. That was hilarious. It was like what was the graduate transfer rule? It started out as like you get that extra year without a penalty. Then have to sit out as long as the other school offered a major that your school didn't offer. I think that was the that was the way it was supposed to work. And ah, gosh, I'm sure schools were coming up with all kinds of creative ways to create an extra year of a graduate degree to make that work. And we saw some st- stellar examples of quarterbacks, especially taking advantage of that grad transfer rule. So that. That has certainly existed at one point as well. But going over to um, what's going on now in this particular situation, I it sucks to see how, again, star players can get poached. It, it stinks to see that. It kind of ruins it. It takes the wind out of the sails for a lot of fans of these programs that are the hunted rather than the hunters. But on the whole, I mean – I'm not sure because, I mean, it's like the players are the ones benefiting from it. I think hands down you could say a player is the one benefiting from that kind of deal because you get induced to come in, maybe get some nice money, some you know good good uh, uh, endorsements or not quite endorsements, but, you know, <laughs> name, image, likeness deals. And I sympathize with them because there's so many players who you think are going to be superstars and then it's just some freak injury happens. Freak injury is not even the wrong thing. It's a It's a contact sport you know injuries happen all the time and you know it, when their career gets cut short you feel terrible for a lot of these guys um you know whatever stage of their season they're at so to see some of them get opportunities to uh to get paid it, it it's kind of um it, it there's good and bad to it but i'm on the on the whole i lean towards it it being good and it looks like we have one more person who wanted to come up here only because Um, We usually wrap up after about 30 minutes, but I don't mind kind of letting at least one more person on here. Sidelines West Point. What's going on? Love to hear from you. Hey,
2: I just wanted to throw something in real quick about the transfer portal and the NIL and all that stuff. Uh, I'm not really like a – I'm not a big libertarian guy, so to speak, but I do think that this is a situation where – like the market will sort of resolve itself. I mean, it's going to be ugly the first few years. I think it has been, I think it probably will be for a few more years. I do think that this is mostly going to resolve itself. Unlike the pros where you're, you know, you like, you're chasing a contract. Maybe you go somewhere you don't want to go. Cause they're going to give you the money. Um, you know, when you're recruiting in college, you've got to sell kids on this program. and, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I could go play for whatever. Lincoln Riley, that'd be great. It's like, right, except that, you know, three of the last five years, somebody who plays your position has come from a different school to be a one-year starter. Is that the kind of school you want to go to? I mean, these are the conversations that recruiting people have to have with families. I'm an Army fan, obviously. We it's like us, Navy, and Air Force are the only schools where people only transfer out and there are no transfers in. Not that they can't. It's just that they don't because that's how it works <laughs> yeah. with the service academies. <laughs> so not that we're producing lots of, of like really high – it's not like we're losing lots of people every year or anything. But like I know what it's like to be on the losing end of that. and. I do think that it is going to resolve itself. I mean, we saw when the NIL came in, like I know that for, for us in particular, our recruiting went way down immediately because a lot of like mid to I don't say low level guys who typically maybe would be getting recruited to us. All of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, I can go to, I don't know, Miami of Ohio or Fresno State or another sort of like mid level program. where like, hey, they got an NIL for me. And then all of a sudden, like the boosters of that school, they're two to three years in and they're like, hey, you know, we're paying a lot of uh, NIL money and like we're not really like getting a lot for it. You know, like this ain't University of Miami, this ain't USC or uh, 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 Oklahoma where like they can just drop hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it's like I feel like it's all going to kind of balance itself out. It's not going to be a perfect system, but it's not going to be the doomsday scenario. That's just my opinion.
0: You know, I, I've over time kind of leaned in that direction myself only because, again, I kind of mentioned an article a little earlier in the night with uh, David Ubbin was sort of asked where he thought football, he's a writer for The Athletic, but he's written for ESPN and a bunch of other places over the years. But they asked him where he thought football was going in the next five years, and he thought it was going to settle down. And I agree with you. It's the Wild West now, but it's not a Wild West that I think is going to continue in, you know, indefinitely only because, and I think you're right, you're going to have donor fatigue. I mean, I think part of the reason why we've talked about that whole fiasco with Florida offering supposedly just you know millions of dollars towards a quarterback, and then the deal fell through. I mean, sometimes there's going to be a point where yeah, people are going to be like, yeah, there's some you know crazy oil money being thrown here or there. Maybe the Texas and A and M fans have a, a certain tolerance that other fan bases don't for just throwing money, but uh, but still, there's going to be a point where yeah, maybe people will get donor fatigue. Um, or, yeah, they might not see, especially at, at some of the um, the G5 programs, the, the level of, of impact that they would expect. But I kind of do want to see how it shakes out a little bit, only because it's been so crazy. I mean, we're we're like two years into it, and, yeah, it's been a while. People are kind of learning how the rules even work on the fly um, and how we're going to even have at least probably have more legal challenges here or there. I know uh, Ruiz, the big uh, Miami booster, said he wants to sue the NCAA just to – not to sue them for money, but to sue them to define, to force a court to define what a booster is in a certain context because he's still very pissed about the way they uh, they kind of, they, they gave him a very light slap on the wrist, but they said they reserved the right to eventually kind of disassociate a booster in certain circumstances. And he's like, I wasn't a booster in that circumstance. So, you know, there's a lot of things that are still very malleable right now um, in all of it. And to... it it, but it's it's a tough time i mean it's both a tough time to be a fan but kind of an interesting time because there's so much going on and no one really knows it's not like we're it's not like we've had this script before it's it's every it feels like every week there's new twist to the story coming out and and we'll kind of see how it pans out that was a great way to to end this i really appreciate that that contribution there um sidelines west point thank you so much and um it, usually these we do these off-season talks for about 30 minutes. My f- co-host Sirius tried to join and the system did not let him in. It was spectacular to watch him try to join every couple of minutes and I would kind of pause and look at the screen and he couldn't quite make it up. It happens. But we do these every Tuesday night. Um, when we start having guests again we'll have them kind of on different times rather than late evening most likely. We'll have them in the daytime as well and, and schedule those well in advance with plenty of advance notice. But my name's Bobek Hayeri. I just wanted to thank you all for joining us. Uh, this was RCFB Talk 131, and I hope you all have a great rest of your off-season. So on behalf of myself, uh, I'm going to hang up and listen.